All right, guys, as promised, you're getting an episode about the evolution of the nuclear family. Even though I decided to do an art project, so this really isn't going to be for a grade, but I'm still doing it because, hey, why not? (sighs) A nuclear family is a mother and father followed by their subsequent children. For a long time, this image was a staple of our culture, but that didn't last forever. In an American culture, the laws began to change following the ideals of the times. The 60s brought on new waves of feminism, leading to the need to address pregnant women working on the job. In 1972, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, created guidelines that required businesses to treat disabilities that resulted from pregnancies, including abortion, miscarriage, and the birth itself, as temporary disabilities. This was followed by the 1978 PDA, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which prohibited discrimination on the basis of pregnancy, childbirth, or other related conditions. Even with these regulations, leave to take care of the child was still not put in place. Without this, most women had to completely leave the workforce after giving birth. In 1993, the FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, was finally passed. However, this only gave men and women 12 weeks of unpaid leave. The basis, birth or newborn care, placement of child for adoption or foster care, immediate family or member has fallen ill and the employee themselves is sick. While this act was a long-awaited step in the right direction, it came with requirements for eligibility and it was unpaid. You had to work for a private company or public agency that had 50 employees within 75 miles. You had to have worked there for a year and completed 1250 hours. I don't know why I said it like that, I'm sorry. 1,250 hours or 1,250. If you were paid in the top 10% of the company, you were excluded completely. Under these parameters, around 60% of the workforce was left out. This left the regulation of paid leave up to the states. In 2002, California was the first state to pass the paid parental leave law that was not enacted until 2004. This gave new parents 55% of their income and in 2018 was raised to 60% to 70% for eight weeks to one year. In 2021, parents overseas may now receive benefits. All of this unfortunately does not come with job protection. New Jersey followed behind California, and in 2009, they allowed for 85% of wage for 12 weeks of leave. In 2014, Rhode Island provides temporary caregiver insurance, allowing for job protection. The Big Apple allows 10 weeks and 60% with job protection. DC, 8 weeks and 90%, depending on income. In Washington state, the act was passed in 2007, but with no clue how to fund it, it took 13 years to take effect, giving workers eight weeks and 90% of weekly pay. Massachusetts, Connecticut, Oregon, and Colorado have plans set to come into effect in the coming decades, such as 21, 22, 23, and 24. While all these changes are wonderful steps in the right direction, only providing these benefits to women reinforces the foundational idea of women in the home and men in the workplace. That begs the question, what about paternity leave? In 2015, Netflix allowed fathers to take unlimited paternity during the first year, and Microsoft gave five months paid paternity leave and three months to all other parents, roping birth fathers in with adopted parents, foster parents, etc. In 2016, a report by the National Partnership for Women and Families, less than 41% of employers provide paid paternity leave. Unfortunately, only 9% of workers work for companies that provide paid paternity to all of its employees. Paid paternity leave is a luxury in most cases, given to those with a highly sought-after skill. Leave in general is an extreme luxury for those in low-income housing and areas, with 95% of workers in this bracket working without the option of paid leave for a child or family member. While the states are finally making changes, they are few and far between through the eyes of a worker needing to support their family.
While the topic of male and female separation and wages, what about marital separations? The nuclear family was one always united, but the facade couldn't halt unhappiness in its tracks. For example, in 1953, court case McGuire versus McGuire begged the question, was a wife who lived separate from her husband but in the same home entitled to maintenance and support? The answer, no. She was not given maintenance or support on the grounds she was living was not living apart from him. The court did not absorb her legal fees as they found her action against Mr. McGuire baseless. While Mrs. McGuire's behavior seemed trivial, it opened the door to the doctrine of necessities. This can place a spouse into responsibility for goods and or services, such as food, shelter, clothing, and medical or legal, that were required without knowledge, acquired, sorry, oh my God, that were acquired without their knowledge or consent. Currently, all states require husbands to provide these necessities for their wives and children. In some states, wives face requirements similar. While the, including the wife in these, it strays away from the husband only idea of the nuclear family. Debts accumulated, oh my gosh, I can't speak. Debts accumulated during the union are joined even in separations. Creditors can sue in order to recover these, and in the event of divorce, debt is split evenly, not including those acquired prior to the union. To add to liabilities in the 1970s, parents became liable in civil court cases involving damages caused by their offspring. Speaking of children, another case was 1963's Foley v. Foley, a case referenced by Phyllis Schlafly in her debate against Brenda Fagan, in which Foley sought, Mrs. Foley sought, spousal support after being married in 1977 and separated in 1985. Unfortunately, due to the long-held idea of the perfect American family, the couple continued to present themselves as united until 1993. And this time, the children's residence was changed to Mrs. Foley's sister's townhome, and this led to the issue of overcrowding. And while she still technically lived with Mr. Foley, she was constantly absent and present at the bar. Despite her wishes to continue to care for children under the bounds of full custody, the court saw her as neglectful, and in keeping with the presented factors, gave full custody to Mr. Foley. She was given 5000 to help in attorney's fees. Some saw the ruling as unfair, yet it was unchanged. This brings forth the notion of single parenting something in the United States that was not truly supported until the 60s. However, in all 50 states, it's legal to adopt children without a spouse. Prior to this, it was nearly impossible and rare for this to occur. Instances like Joan Crawford and Georgia Tan, who illegally stole babies in order to provide them to her clients, or the Sauter family cult, who stole babies from hospitals and forged documents in order to build a family of her own. While the times have changed, we still have a little ways to go as a country. And while things are better, they aren't perfect, but it seems that's America. So that's my little paper blurb that I wrote in my, like about my painting. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys because I did promise that I would make a podcast about this. So even though that's not the project I chose to do, I still wanted to give it to you guys. Okay, have a great day.